keep that 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 faith that belief in the transcendence in the beauty in the true the capital s self and the manifestation of who you are meant to be coming into the world i think that that is one of the most incredible aspects of us as human beings that we all have within us In with us today is Keith Gilmore. He is a writer, speaker, and coach. Um, lots of hats, uh, so lots of lessons and stories to hear today. He writes primarily on culture, ethics, psychology, spirituality, philosophy, and psychedelics. He is the co-founder of Texture Life Coaching. Definitely check that out. Google it if you can. And it is a prominent psychedelic integration coaching program. Very intriguing, uh, super interested to learn more about that. And lastly, he is a facilitator of the men's support group for the Portland Psychedelic Society, the largest psychedelic community in North America. And so I wanted to give a warm welcome and a round of applause to Keith, who's joining us today. Hi, Keith. Hey, Chrissy. Thanks for having me. So glad to have you here. I know it's been a long time coming, but I'm really excited to dive in deep on all those topics that I uh, I just learned about you. Likewise. But before we dive in, I do want to ask some questions to you because I feel like our listeners and myself too would want to learn more about you. Um, and these are just fun, easy questions before we dive in deep on the hard, deep questions. So um, if you're ready, give me a thumbs up. Let's go. Yeah. Okay, great. So my first question is, what is your what is your most favorite holiday of the year? Oh, geez. <laughs> I would have to say Christmas time because that's when I go back and visit my family. I get to see my folks, my brother, um, other family members. So it's nice to be able to connect at that time of the year. Yeah. That's awesome. I love Christmas too. Um, apart from the gifts, it's really just enjoying each other's company. And of course, food, good food. Um, speaking of food, what is your favorite cuisine? Jeez. Um, I would say my top are always yeah. either Mediterranean, Indian, Mexican. These cuisines are always kind of vying for the top spot for me. Yes. Okay. Uh, all at top one. It depends on What's the that? day. It depends on the day. It depends on the day. It depends on my tastes. Yeah. It's a lot of grains, vegetables, a lot of kind of mishmash of things together, things on top of rice. That's the kind of food I really enjoy eating. Okay. Awesome. Well, food is always a good thing to look after uh especially after any day any time i think food for me is like everything so that's awesome um my next question is quite random but would you rather be in the ocean side or in the mountain side Ooh. <laughs> you're asking the tough questions right off the bat <laughs> uh probably the ocean side 
just because that would be amazing to just be able to go swim in the ocean every day. Yeah, that'd be great. Morning, right when you wake up, just to wake you up, literally wake you up. And at the end of the day, just to calm down. But that's cool. Okay. I actually, that was a question that I got from one of my friends and it took me a day to answer. So kudos to you for being able to answer that. I'm like, yeah, what's your answer to that? My answer was actually mountains because I feel like mountains would have lakes <laughs> in there. So okay. <laughs> I could just swim in the lakes if I got bored. Um, but I agree. I feel like the ocean view is always just something spectacular. Not, you know, it's, it's always beautiful to be by the ocean. But yeah. yeah, that was my answer. And the last question that I have for you, this is something that I do ask all of my guests is what is your spirit animal? If I had to choose one, I would say a dragonfly. And why? <laughs> I think they're really beautiful, magical creatures. And I always feel excited when I see them. Mm, I, that was, I think, a very, that's a very unique answer. I don't think I've heard that from anyone just yet. So it's really awesome to hear that. And I guess... Going into the conversation, uh, definitely, it seems like just like your background and I love your shirt. There's a lot of colorful things that we will be talking about today. And first question that I do want to ask you before we dive in really deep into your story is if someone randomly asks you at the side of the street and asks you, who are you and who is Keith, how would you address that? Wow. I would invite them for tea and sit down and talk with them for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a really tough question to, to summarize oneself mm -hmm. very briefly. Mm -hmm. I would say I'm a human being who's very interested in what's going on and what it is that we are here to do. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to what would you say as the highlights of your, maybe you can share two or three highlights of your human existence by far, something, something that really stands out and has influenced the way you are, who you are right now. What would that be? Yeah. So I would say First of all, the work that I'm doing right now, I feel like that has blossomed something inside of me where I feel like I'm aiming myself in the direction that my highest self wants me to be going. So doing the work with psychedelics, um, doing the coaching work, doing the men's group work, all of these things are things that I never thought I would be doing even probably 10 years ago, mm -hmm. but my life has constellated in such a way that every aspect of, again, the direction I'm pointing myself feels like the right direction. Um, so that would be one thing mm -hmm. I would say my experience just kind of, Growing up uh, in the 
kind of rural country. My grandfather owned a farm and my dad and all his brothers worked on that farm. And so that was a big part of my experience and my understanding of nature, of where food comes from, um, and of freedom, just kind of being able to roam freely and feel at home in that sort of setting. Uh, so those, I guess, would be kind of bookends yeah. of my experience. Yeah. And beyond that, um, I would say just finding my passion for writing mm -hmm. and the way that that has kind of also led me to where I am at this point in my life. So that would be, yeah, kind of my beginning, middle and present of my story. No, that's, that's beautiful. I really want to dive in those, I guess it seems like chapters of so far your life. And when you mentioned about growing up in the rural community and being around nature, probably your entire childhood, and I'm assuming, do you now live in Portland? Yes. Yeah. In Portland, Oregon. Yeah. So how, how was that transition? What was, what were the thought, what was the thought process into moving into a city? Maybe it's not as complicated as I'm making it sound. Um, but what was the thought process behind that decision to move to a city and how was that like for you? Yeah, well, so I was born in Massachusetts and uh, just kind of went to school and college mm -hmm. and grad school all throughout New England. Mm -hmm. And so was really just looking for, uh, really kind of just looking to go somewhere else, experience something else, mm -hmm. be a different cultural experience. And so I moved with a few friends and moved to the West Coast and lived in Seattle for a bit and then came down to Portland. And I would say that really the, the starkest thing that I noticed was just the cultural differences in terms of the, um, yeah, and I'd be curious for you to speak to this, what it's like where you live um, in the kind of East Coast mm -hmm. cities, it's very much more keep your head down, go where you're going. <laughs> Don't talk to me. You know, I'm trying yeah. to get there. That's all, yeah. Yeah. And the West Coast cities, there's more of a meandering, more yeah. of a casualness. Yeah. And so that's more my speed. And so I appreciate that aspect of living out here. And Portland is, um, it's pretty small mm -hmm. as far as cities go. Mm -hmm. It's very, a lot of neighborhoods. Um, yeah, it, it feels pretty intimate compared to even Seattle or Boston or New York or these, these much larger cities. So I feel like this is a good home base for now. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I wanted to learn more about when you said you grew up in surrounded by nature. Um, did you move from that 
surrounding immediately to Portland or was what was the I guess the journey like um that you moved to a city in the east coast and then moved to the west coast yeah so yeah I grew up in a small town um ended up going to college in Rhode Island which is a small state and then went to graduate school in New Hampshire Mm -hmm. and so uh different aspects of kind of the same thing um so not kind of the the hustle and bustle as you said of the city so much um but spent time in boston new york city these places that are just the very fast moving very um confusing (laughs) to someone who's not used to that way of living and just in my kind of mid-20s just decided I want to go somewhere else and yeah moved out to Seattle and um did get a bit of culture shock but uh found my way pretty quickly in there Mm-hmm. And the reason why I asked that was because I know you're big on cultural transformation. And I really wanted to learn more on what that meant for you or when you discovered that that was something that you were interested in and something that you wanted to explore more. Is that something that you've always been interested in when you were younger? Um, and I know that you, I think I was looking into your bio on your website as well. Uh, you were teaching uh, for around for 10 years. Is that correct? Um, I taught, um, I taught in graduate school. I taught a little bit after that at a college and yeah, I was teaching writing. Oh, cool. And so what, what made you understand culture much more? Is it, do you find that it's more on the occupation that you have, or is it something that is pretty intrinsic in you? I would say there's an aspect that's intrinsic that is I like to do very relational work. I like to get to know people's stories. I like to show what I'm able to show and learn what I'm able to learn through that interpersonal dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the I really enjoyed the teaching. However, it's, you know, there's a lot of, let's say, issues with the education system that I found uninteresting to me or unsavory, perhaps. Yeah. And with the coaching work, I've really enjoyed the kind of intimate one-on-one aspect of really getting to know a person's story, really getting to share the parts of myself that I feel like I excel at, as well as just participate in someone's journey of discovery. Because like I said, I'm, I'm a curious human who's interested in the way things are and what we can do to make things better. And that 
I, my understanding at this point in my life is that, um, that takes each individual doing his or own, his or her own work and picking up their own kind of backpack and strapping it on and carrying it so that the whole world doing that ends up, you know, transforming together if we each are taking the task of life seriously as an individual. Yeah, no, I I really love that. And I think it's something that people generally don't really talk about because it's either um, there's a lot of YOLO, um, (laughs) YOLO motos going on around, especially in our generation. And something that we forget when we say YOLO is that YOLO is, yes, being in the present, staying present in the moment, but it doesn't mean that you disregard the past and the future. So it's really cool that you brought in, you know, the fact that if we all just are able to live our, take that task, um, take things into account and be considerate when we live our lives. And it seems like being intentional in the way we live, then everything would make sense for most circumstances because it's, we're all just doing our best, right? We're not being, reactive or we're not disregarding other people's um, situations when we act on things. And so I, I really, when, when we started this conversation previously, we had our one, even on your profile too, I was thinking, I want to learn more about your journey towards being a coach um, and why, what it means to be a psychedelic integration coach. Yeah. Walk us through that. I'm I'm very intrigued. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So my journey with that, like I said, I was working in education, teaching, doing private tutoring. I was doing that work for a while. Um, and I one of my highest values is freedom. And so my path. I felt like the more that I could move myself towards freedom, the more that I would feel liberated internally and be able to help other people find their own liberation. And so the coaching kind of, I kind of ended up there through that path, through getting disillusioned with teaching and through meeting the need of people that is on a more personal level than simply taking a course to learn information about a subject, which of course there's immense value in that. Um, But the subject that I'm most interested in is the psyche, is the human experience, is the ethics of humanity and so that was kind of what led me to that approach and to, to that path and i worked for some organizations doing coaching for a while and eventually became disillusioned with that again because freedom yes. <laughs> that 
time. So I wanted to be able to work for myself, mm-hmm. to work with exactly who I wanted to work with, mm-hmm. to allow myself to continue my path of discovery and not feel like I had to be slotted into the way this organization or that wanted things to be. And so that led me to, with my business partner, to creating Texture. And we, you know, when we started that, there was a need that we saw mm-hmm. for this particular area of coaching, which is doing the integration coaching. And what that consists of is one, helping people prepare for psychedelic experiences in an intentional way. So helping people who are looking to have an intentional experience, um, not merely going to a music festival or a party and taking a substance, but to kind of take these things seriously in order to do that intentional personal work. Um, So it's that, it's helping people prepare for that, prepare for what they might expect to encounter, what sorts of things will help them have the best journey when they're when the time comes, mm-hmm. um, so on and so forth. And then also helping them after the experience to integrate it, which is to take all of the expansive, numinous experience that they, you know, are, are interfacing with when they're in that state mm-hmm. and bring it back in inside and bring it, fold it into their life mm-hmm. um, in such a way as to maintain the benefits from that, as to work through any difficulties that may have come to light because of that, and really to move in the direction of their own highest selves in order to um, facilitate their their own healing or growth or really individuation process of becoming the person they're meant to be. Mm-hmm. And why why psychedelic? Why, what's the story behind using that into the process of coaching people? Yeah, so there's a cultural renaissance that is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so first of all, the psychedelics in one form or another, another have been used by humans for millennia, um, and in shamanic and ritualized situations. And so there's a really deep lineage of the use of these things for these spiritual, psychological, um, community building, and so on and so forth purposes. And then, you know, in the United States, um, and kind of blossomed in 
Western culture, there was kind of a Western rediscovery of these things that was occurring in the 50s and 60s -hmm. through, you know, the research that was being that was being done, serious scientific research being done by universities, as well as the kind of on the ground so-called research, uh, experimenting being done by the youth and, um, yeah, people who were curious. And again, this, this wasn't a discovery because these things have been utilized in various indigenous practices and religious practices and, um, all sorts of ceremonies and all, all the way back to before, you know, recorded history, um, but it was a, an awakening. And so this was considered the psychedelic revolution. Mm. And then it, it kind of got squashed out through propaganda, through government control. Um, the FDA declared a moratorium on research mm-hmm. and then the Controlled Substances Act happened and basically these things got shoved underground and stigmatized. Mm-hmm. And so now there's a renaissance happening where the culture is re-reawakening yes. to the possibilities that these substances hold for healing on a mass scale and for transcendence and for self-understanding, understanding of the macro as well as the micro, the inner as well as the outer. Um, and so for me personally, I see this as a an important and necessary pathway forward for humanity in order for us to begin to disentangle this incredibly complicated situation we're in, Mm -hmm. in which there's so much strife, there's so much suffering, there's so much trauma that's just been accumulated, you know, over really over millennia as well. Um, But that we culturally are able to start coming together on a mass scale and explore these things, work through these things. And, and the research has begun again and is being done by, you know, top universities, UCLA, Johns Hopkins, NYU, uh, Imperial College London. It's, you know, and, and showing tremendous results as well. So it's a really exciting time for psychedelics and kind of those, that propagandizing and the stigmas are being melted away where, you know, now people are much more open to it than even five or 10 years ago, they might have been. So it's a really exciting time for this stuff. And because more people are turning to these things, utilizing them, Mm -hmm. more guidance is needed because these things need to be treated carefully, they need to be treated with reverence. And with intention. And so providing the service of guidance is something that I see as a necessary component of this 
psychedelic renaissance that's occurring. Yeah, it's basically like the quote, the, the famous quote from Spider-Man, like, great power comes great responsibility. Yes. And it, it seems like it it's like what you just said, I'm like digesting it and absorbing it because it definitely makes a lot of sense where it's like, it is a growing stigma. And now people are becoming more open, especially with the pandemic. Everyone's just at home, not really able to socialize outside or trying to re-socialize themselves back into society again. What do you think are benefits of using a psychedelic integration coaching, um, I guess, program or session for them to reintegrate back into this society or this new reality? I would say, well, I think the benefits are many. Mm. Um, because the the benefits of the psychedelics or, or the benefits that they present or the promise that they hold is great. Mm-hmm. So again, the the idea is to treat treat the experiences purposefully and really with reverence. I, th- I think reverence is an important component of it. Um, and that doesn't mean, it can't be fun. It can be a blast. Um, it doesn't mean it has to be so severe and serious all the time. It can be, you know, it can be a laugh. Literally you can find yourself giggling for hours. Um, but you can also find yourself facing the deep darkness within, within you and without. Mm-hmm. And so preparation is extremely helpful. Understanding to the degree that you can what you're getting into is extremely helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an aspect of the psychedelic experience that is ineffable, that cannot be spoken. Mm-hmm. It can't be described using language. Mm-hmm. It, it, it can only be experienced. And so there the idea of preparation is to prepare you as much as possible for something that cannot be described. So it's kind of a tricky thing, but over the years, again, over the years in recent culture, the literature that has cropped up um, both in the kind of more creative sphere and in the more scientific sphere has created a lot of uh, useful wisdom. And then of course, as well, the, the deep well of shamanic understanding of psychedelics as well has another deep well of wisdom. So even though it's an experience that, um, truly, truly cannot be described, it's something that can be prepared for. Mm -hmm. Um, and, can be faced with confidence if you go about it in a proper way. I see. And out of curiosity, I'm I'm really interested to know what was, have you experienced one yourself? Uh, probably you have, because then you are teaching it because you've learned it in your own experience too. And I'm curious to know what your first experience was with uh, psychedelics. Yeah, my first experience was with mushrooms and 
it was um, just with some friends and walking through the woods. And it was a pretty low dose. Mm -hmm. um, and it was quite enjoyable. And it, it opened something up in me. And I never um, utilized these things kind of as, you know, a party substance to have a good time. Um, however, I would say I started really taking them seriously in the last eight or nine years, like re really taking seriously the promise that this holds and the mystery that this holds, because kind of the deeper you go, the more you realize that you have no idea what is going on <laughs> at all. And also that that's okay. Mm -hmm. And also that it's still worth trying to figure out to, to the d degree that you can mm -hmm. how to live life in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I think it's important for, you know, we're as these things become more integrated with the medical system, we're going to run into some interesting dilemmas, perhaps, where, you know, maybe doctors who have never experienced these things um, might have the opportunity to be prescribing them as medicines. Yeah. It, it seems to be heading in that direction shortly, actually, that... Um, certainly MDMA and most likely psilocybin, the comp active component in mushrooms are, are going to be medicine um, legally mm -hmm. in Canada and in, in the United States. It's, it's going to happen shortly. And so it's going to create an interesting dilemma where there's people who perhaps have no experience at all, who now have to operate within a medical model that is treating these things rightly, I think, as medicine. And I, I think it is important for if, if people are going to be involved in helping other people mm -hmm. um, access psychedelic medicines um, in whatever capacity, that they have at least a, a fair amount of experience themselves so that they really understand. Because again, it, it's not something that you can just read. Yeah. Uh, even a 500 page textbook on and, and have knowledge of it, it really cannot be communicated except through the experience itself. Yeah. Cause like you said, it's indescribable. So if that in its own is indescribable, you, it, the best way to explain it is to be able to have had the experience so you can properly prepare the person who might be administered to that experience as well, just to prepare them not just physically, but also mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, Precisely. Yeah, but what you just said was so beautiful because I think doing things with a purpose and knowing that these substances are from nature and nature is so powerful. And I think us as human beings, we have come to a place and I think now it's somewhat reverting just based on the conversations that I've been having with friends where 
I think at one point, a large point in human society, we always believe that, you know, we're stronger and we're more, we're more powerful than nature, that we can control nature, right? We can predict nature. But then the more we do that, the more that it comes back to bite us because that is not true, right? Nature is not something that we can predict, control, forecast. It's something that we want to be able to work with. It's something that we want to have a harmony with by understanding what it is, right? And I I didn't know too, too much about psychedelics, but like you explaining it in that way, it makes me understand it in a more, um, in a better setting. Because like you said, I, I can't read it just from articles. I can't read it from a book. Uh, I can't just listen to a video. It's something I have to listen to what someone who has experienced it explicitly state what it was for them and how it has benefited them and so yeah I just wanted to thank you for being vulnerable with that and sharing that um so yeah I'm curious to know as well based on your experience so far as a coach and being surrounded and being really it seems like you're very um introspective on how you live on a day-to-day moment-by-moment basis what do you think is the the most um, the most interesting thing that you've learned about the human psyche and the most disappointing thing. Wow. <laughs> mm. You know, I don't know if any aspect of the human psyche I would call disappointing. Okay. I think there's there's deep sorrow in how much pain and trauma people experience and carry. And, um, you know, there's long chains of human beings traumatizing one another. And, um, but with that, again, freedom, if we're looking at freedom as um, one of the highest aims, true freedom is I think being able to express your highest self. And so we all have, you know, a shadow side to us where these darker impulses reside. And we all have the, the capital S self, the true self. Mm -hmm. These are, um, terms from Jungian psychology. Um, and I think that the capacity for beauty, for growth and transformation toward the good, for transcending our limitations. These are among the most incredible things that I have witnessed in the human psyche, in myself and in others, because we all we all have the capacity for that darkness. And it's important to reckon with that to face that to understand that um and we all have the capacity for transcendence Mm -hmm. and we also have the capacity to choose to put effort toward um that transcendence and to not let the darkness even in such a chaotic and weird situation that the human race finds itself in right now um we 
we all have that capacity for transcendence, for expressing the beauty that only I as an individual, you as an individual can express on this planet. So, you know, it's, I think, um, seeing the, the fullness of what the human psyche is capable of can be scary. And that's also part of why the psychedelic experience can be scary because it presents kind of a, a larger view than maybe you've been able to consider before or see before. Um, but to keep that, that, that faith, that belief in the transcendence, in the beauty, in the true, the capital S self and the manifestation of who you are meant to be coming into the world. I think that that is one of the most incredible aspects of us as human beings that we all have within us. Yeah. And in your experience so far as a human being in this world so far, um, what is one thing that you know for sure? (laughs) (laughs) And that's a big question. Yeah. I would say that I, well, I always maintain doubt Mm. so that I am not sure because I think doubt is powerful um, because, you know, one of my, um, the most influential thinkers on my way of thinking is Terrence McKenna. And he was kind of a a psychedelic philosopher and um, he really expressed the idea that one should not believe anything that he explained it as we can hold models. So I, I can hold a model for how I see the world working, but to hold a model is different from holding a belief that you're firm in because when a superior model or another model that fits better with all of the other models that you're holding comes along, then you're able to replace that model and keep growing in understanding. Um, So, and with all that said, I would say that one thing, so yeah, I guess that's just my caveat to say, I'm not sure about anything. Um, And I'll say that before saying one thing that I feel sure about is that the truth the capital T truth is always found in contradiction. And I think this is expressed most poignantly in the symbol of the yin and yang, um, which that's kind of the guiding symbol of my, of my life, of my journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's kind of the most true thing ever said, so to speak, or, or put out there. Yeah, I, I love that. Again, um, accepting your light and your darkness and there's no right and wrong. It's really just accepting your whole being because I, I, I fully agree on that. Like at one point, 
and I think growing up where you were, when you're brought up with um, a, a mentality where you have to be good all the time, right? And at one point you're like, but no, what is good, right? Like, what should I do? What is good? Is that meaning that I'll have to make decisions for other people? Is that what good means? Or is, make, is good meaning leave, living my truth and letting things be, right? And so I, I like that you answered my previous question on there's really nothing true, well, truly disappointing on human beings, maybe a few things, but <laughs> nothing absolutely um, disappointing because every aspect of our own being is something that's just, that's just a composure, a, a composition of who we are. Um, and what you mentioned about models, something that I really wanted to um, ask you as well is when you mentioned models and speaking of models, do you feel like the person that you are right now, the way you address your decisions, uh, how much of it is impacted by your nature versus your nurture? <laughs> yeah, you're asking some really excellent and difficult questions, Chrissy. <laughs> Take me home. It's a homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say I think I don't have the ability to know that, mm -hmm. to discern where where the line is drawn between those things, if a line even can be drawn. Um, but it's, you know, it's obvious that our experiences shape who we are. It's obvious that our genetics and even the epigenetics of things that our ancestry has passed down to us shape who we are. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, again, the beauty is that we are capable of transcendence and that we don't need to feel trapped by either our experiences or, you know, our ancestry, biology, um there's always a way to kind of move beyond the perceived limitations that are put on us through the understanding of nature the understanding of nurture so i to answer your question i have no idea <laughs> that's okay think about it think about it <laughs> but your answer did exceed my expectations too because i i believe that everything is relative so um growing up in you know my intrinsic self what is the difference you know what is my true self what is that so um thanks for sharing anyway and i i did want to ask you as well is if there are things that you're grateful for three things what would that be mm. yeah three things that i'm grateful for The sunshine, <laughs> the bees that visit the flowers in my yard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the the dirt, the earth that holds all of the insects and microorganisms and mycelium and uh, things that I can't possibly even understand. Um, and the way that all of these things intermingle 
and create this beautiful earth that we're on this mysterious spaceship that we're here <laughs> living on and acting out our stories on for whatever reason um it's it's beautiful and so i'm i'm really truly thankful to be able to experience and participate with that beauty that's great and it's a whole dance right everyone's just dancing around <laughs> yes exactly and lastly keith um something that i <clears throat> do ask all of my guest speakers as well is what is your love message to yourself what would you say what would you tell yourself in a few words you're doing okay <laughs> don't don't get down on yourself the world needs you you can forgive yourself you can let go of the things that don't serve you and i love you Aww. yay that's wonderful and beautiful short and sweet um i i have a lot more questions but time is running and i feel like we were able to discuss the most important parts of this conversation which i'm really glad that you were able to open up to us too and so keith um as much as i would be sharing all the links in my episode details as well i just wanted to give you an opportunity where can people find you yeah so if you feel resonance with any of the things i'm saying you may be interested in my writing and you can find that at keithgilmore.com and if you're interested in exploring the coaching aspect of things, you can check out texturecoaching.com. And those are the best places to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you, Keith, for blessing us with your presence. I honestly have learned so much. Things that I will probably be bringing in and reflecting on throughout the night because I feel like there's so much information, good information or light and dark information that I, I really want to um simmer on a bit more i feel like there's a lot of um enlightenment that you brought into this conversation so uh, appreciate your presence truly thank you for saying that i appreciate you and your thoughtful questions awesome well see you around keith thank you all right thanks chrissy bye Bye. Thank you again and here's to hoping that your day is filled with peace, joy and love. Keep speaking your truth and manifesting your dreams and always remember to nurture healthy relating. You may be told that you're not that special, but hey, you matter because you are unique. You are put in this earth as an energy container and it's time to open yourself up and share what you've got. I am so rooting for you and hope to have you here again at Moments with Christy.